It's Stompface, the Violence King. You're listening to the Mep Report. Enjoy, or I punch you. Let my home back in Omaha. See if I can make it out in the world. And I got as far as Wichita. Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore. Lost all my friends in Los Angeles. And I'm not welcome in New York. But I must stop back in Omaha. Where the fans, they always All right. But if you're ready for the fire, then ladies and gentlemen, I'm not ready for the fire. Welcome to Mep Report number 51, October 13th, 2006. Here we all are. We're all here. The gang's all here. And we advance on our second year. through the show. Oh, yeah. Which on Friday the 13th in October, I don't think is a given. I don't think it's a sure thing. That's a good point. A ghost in the machine at work today. There was a ghost in our printer, and uh, so you know we got to be careful. That's all I'm saying. You got the ghost, yeah. What do you mean you had a ghost in the machine? What was the printer doing? Was it printing out pictures uh, of Michael Myers or? No, it printed out like random ghostly visages in front of perfectly normal looking pictures when they were sent to print. It did this like cool. twice. It was really creepy. And then I unplugged it and replugged it in and that clearly exercised the ghost and that was it's like a terribly boring so. version of the grudge. It was like the first script of the grudge. I mean, They're just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> let's let's not do this printer. The, uh, <laughs> take one. My haunted speaking spell. <laughs> what? I don't know which part of that sentence I think is funnier. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, Where to begin? The possibilities are endless. <laughs> I was about uh, nine years old. I uh, had a couple friends sure. over. Old friends from Brooklyn. Read last and, week. Uh, we were, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've kept it for all these years. They don't make it anymore, but... <laughs> Hooked on Phonics continues exactly. to work for me. Yay. U-R-L-A yeah, comic. Actually has a very funny routine about the speak and spell where he's like, well, it's a wonderful learning tool, except if you want to speak, because then you speak like a crazy bird. You're like, Mom, something is wrong. Something is <laughs> ROND wrong. What is wrong? It's true. So that's that's, that's totally true. Speak and spell. Welcome to the spelling. I know, it's like listening to Alanis Morissette sing. She clearly learned from a speak and spell. Yeah. So. Next spell, Morset, M-O-R-I-S-E-T-T-E, you are right. I-S-N-T-I-T-I-R-O-N-I-C. M-I-C-K-E-Y, M-O-U-S-E. I know, I know, it's true. And she's Canadian, so what can you expect? I mean, I'm sorry. Wasn't she also on You Can't Do That on television? I believe she was. She was? Really? Yeah, I think she was as a child, yeah. Have you ever seen that? Absolutely. You can't do that on television, on Nickelodeon? No. When you say the wrong word, you get hit with green slime. Uh, Mark Summers got to start on that show. I heard about it. Yeah, the game show guy, Mark Summers, started Nick and Knight and went straight to Animal Planet. Unfortunate career. So so talk about your haunted speaking spell. I'm sorry. No, that that never happened. I don't even... I've already lost it. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, okay. We were playing with my speaking spell, and it started spewing out random words and random sounds, and it scared the bejesus out of us. Because it was not part of the programming... This was not battle quotient. This was... Are you sure this isn't one you confused your speaking spell for a Ouija board? 
You sure <laughs> you can find them together. The funny thing is, that same <laughs> night we were playing with a Ouija board, which probably already put us on edge for when we were playing with the speak and spell. Of course. <laughs> because, because, well, first we were playing with the speak and spell, and it literally, I forgot the word. Oh, I wish I could remember. Say on some crazy word that showed up on the screen. That was a word that was not in its database, and we were convinced that it was the name of some demon that was channeling the speak and spell. <laughs> it was like, oh no, the demon! Grinfor or something like that. Like, Grinfor. And then, no matter what you did, you couldn't get Grinfor off the front of the speak and spell screen. Like, it just stayed there. It was really spooky. And uh, we freaked <laughs> That's out. That's awesome. And so, we literally, like, gave the speak and spell to my mom so that she could keep it in her room and, like, keep it over there away from us. <laughs> You're like, well, mom, if the demon's going to like, tear one of like? us up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Tear apart your mom who first. Who do we want to curse? <laughs> your mom. Yeah. Give it to mom. You old uh, Why? Just take it away. Um, yeah, then later funny. on we played with the Ouija board, and I subtly moved it while we were playing with it, convincing my friend that his grandmother had come back to uh, talk to him. He never forgave me for that. Like 20 years later, he's like, I can't believe you made me believe that my grandmother was talking to me on my, my Ouija board. Although, you know. And then you the speaking spell was like, G-R-A-N-D-M-A. Yeah, G-R-A-N-D-M-A. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, damn it! I was using the speaking spell, but you thought I was using the Ouija board. You thought yeah, you knew it was right. easy to do. God. He exactly. was even asking me questions or asking the spirit questions that only his grandmother would know. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, what color eyes did she have?" And then we started playing with the thing, and I was suddenly moving it, and it went like B R. And then he's like, aha, aha, she had blue eyes, it's wrong. And I was like, huh, well, let's just see what the rest of it says, maybe just to see what happens. And they're like, okay, and then we went, it went B-R-U-E. I'm like, brew, <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's pretty close, maybe it's just messed up on that. <laughs> Oh my God! They really should He's combine. Like, oh my God! Oh, wow. It's my grandma. Yeah, yeah. I freaked him out. It was great. <laughs> they really should combine the Ouija board with the speak and spell, um, because it's it's a, these are technologies that clearly were meant to be to each other. You thought you knew Ouija. You thought you knew speak and spell. Now both. I am in a s e a n c e seance. Seance. I am in a seance. That would be a great idea. It would scare the crap out of people just to have the responses on the Ouija board be translated into uh, the computer speak. That would really be spooky. Oh, yeah. I think it's a love scary it. enough voice anyway. And it's like, hello, mm -hmm. grandson. How are you? I <laughs> am like, okay uh, in heaven. Stephen Hawking <laughs> conducts the seance. That's basically what it would be. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Oh, man. It is funny how, like, ele those electronic things have an impact. I was thinking about it when you were talking about what electronic devices did I ever possess that scared the bejesus out of me. And the only thing I could think of was the... Possessed. Right. Yeah, see? That's all part of it. Was the Resident Ooh. Evil... <laughs> was um my Resident Evil game, which if you've ever played Resident Evil, it's the, the first of all I'm reminded of it because the people do That's dialogue. That's the game where you like pick flowers the whole game, right? And then you give it to the bunny at the end, and then the bunny says, "Congratulations, you get to go to magical Candyland." And then the bunny I becomes a zombie that eats your head. No, I, I wish it were like oh, that in some ways. Right. Uh, what it actually I is is so you've watership down the video game. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's all the watership down, man. That's got some pretty scary moments too. You can ask a story about that. Ah, uh, but so damn right. Yeah, when the bunnies are when the <laughs> when the rabbits are getting freaking smoked out, that the cartoon part of that that freaked me out. I had when I was a kid. Um, oh yeah, the, the cartoon is oh, no kids movie. That was so and scary. Like, it's animated. It's so great. And then it's like the creepiest thing you've ever let your kid yeah. watch. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like I, Pink I Floyd the it. Wall is also animated in parts. 
Oh, it's I mean, one of yeah. the most disturbing movies you will ever see. Well, any of things like that. Life. You know, George Orwell subtitled, like we talked about before in the show, Animal Farm, a fairy tale. I just got done teaching that, and it's like, it's really not about cute barnyard animals. You may think it is, but... But, uh, no, this game, Resident Evil... Or Chucky 12, also animated, and uh, actually really scary. Yeah. Amazingly so. Very you know, much so. Do you know who does the voice for Chucky? <laughs> it's uh, Brad Dourif, who's one of my favorite actors, because he was uh, Billy Bibbit in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And he was also on Deadwood. He plays the doctor in Deadwood. And, and he's also on the he side, plays this crazy little doll. He also plays Wormtongue in uh, Lord of the Rings. I didn't know that. Wow. That's right. Wow. Yes, all the sci-fi fans are aware of Brad Dourif's so famous because cool. he Grima Wormtongue. You know what else Absolutely. he does? He's also the voice for Speak and Spell. He, they just had him. They were just saying, "I am the actor you like." Hello, of kids. me. Hello. Get ready to spell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in this Resident yeah. Evil game, man, there was this one part where the, the acting itself is terrible. It's like speak and spell. Like, you'll run into this like, pool of blood, Barry. Blood! Blood! And it's terrible. But when they're not talking, when you're just walking through the hall, I remember playing this on my TV, and for, I had the lights out, which was a bad idea. Rainy night outside. And these two dogs leaped through the window in this game behind me, and I think I pulled the, the game roughly 25 feet towards me off of the TV. Like, I think I was just... I think I fell backwards off of the couch. I was so freaked out. That was not cool. At that point, I had the lights up loudly. I turned the volume down to zero, and I had, like, sports radio on in the background from that point forward. So if I got attacked by a zombie, it was like, what do you think about the Mets? Well, I really like the Red Sox and blah, 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 blah. So it sort of lost all of it. No no, no real fear at that point. Too. Sports radio is very much like a baseline that, like, makes you think of normal society and is not scary at all. And even if it's not interesting, it's just like, it's like very much of a comfort level type thing. Exactly. It's good to have on. They all talk about it. a game being immersive. I'm like, I'd rather be not be immersed, please. Can I be less immersed? I'd, I'd appreciate not being immersed. That really was scary. Oh, I love being immersed right up until that freakout moment. Like, Thief <laughs> Thief was a great game. Thief and Thief oh, 2 yeah. was a fantastic immersion game. Thief was game totally like that, too. Where you turn the lights out, yep, yep. and you're, like, creeping through. And it's a very quiet game anyway, because the mm -hmm. whole thing is about stealth, and you're supposed to be really quiet as you're walking through. And then, yeah, some loud guard or some guard will walk by, scares the ever-living daylights out of you. Yeah, it's like the worst The zombies in that game freak me way. out, too. In the, in the chapel, you remember the cathedral level story, and, where you're oh, walking yeah. through, and they're like, yeah, like ah! and zombies and all oh, these things. Oh my god! Yeah. No, yeah. It's really hard stopping. I remember there was one time like that that I was playing at like two in the morning in my college dorm room, and my roommate got home at that point, and I just like completely died. I was like, "That sounds really loud. They're right next to me. Oh my god!" Okay, okay. It's ultimate immersion. It's not on the screen. The immersion is they're actually yeah, there. Exactly. That's like Dude, the immersion that was in that, that, uh, that internet video if with you could... the uh, the subliminal messages oh. and then yeah, that was don't really... the flash video. Yeah. That was immersive. <laughs> Yes, but it's true. Yeah, but if the immersion could extend to like physical relation, like physical uh, relationships, like someone just like showed up next to you oh, out of the game. Yeah, man. No, it's Dude, true. Seriously, we should we should have a high end like video game freakout thing, a service where we hire people out, and it's like we will send people to your friends' doors when they're playing <laughs> scary video games, and they will, you know, and then we'll have more heart attacks than Vioxx on our hands. But hey, it'll be fun on the way. Yeah, it'll you be know a good time. How much hazard pay you would have to owe these poor saps who signed up to be these people that go into random people's houses oh, to yeah, scare them exactly. at the key moment? They're like, what happened? Well, he got hit in the head with a frying pan because <laughs> he was an intruder in a costume in the middle of the night. Your Honor, I thought he was a zombie. Well, he sounded just like a zombie. 
The guy was playing a game where he hacks his enemies to death with swords. Then his enemy walked in the door. Hey, <laughs> you figure out what happened next. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't really okay, feel so terribly tied to treating this guy yeah, well. well. You know, Xbox controller lodged in his face. That's okay. <laughs> I don't put two and two together there. It's true. You know, I wonder about that sometimes. I was thinking about that today because I actually today went to the uh, Digital Life Conference, which is, or not convention, I should say, which is it's being held in New York, and it's basically this um, big electronics gaming techie type of you know thing and so i had gone what to were you it doing there? oh well, just you know to check it out i actually went with uh, our friend uh, jeff nelson and um clea and myself went and that was, uh, a, that was a joke craig that was oh, a joke about i beg your pardon I, I beg your pardon I, hey <laughs> why, I, why would you i'm just observing them well <laughs> the guns and ammo conference was next door so we <laughs> exactly. figured that while we were there we would go check it out it was either that or the republicans now conference and i decided you know this probably was closer to my interest um but so i went around looking that there have two people yeah, that's the true. The Republicans and the National Organization for Women. There's like two people who are members <laughs> of both of those. That's great. They're just staring at each other. They're like, why are we here? Um, but yeah. I, I struck Can't me that all, all of these games... With a Ouija board. <laughs> I will be Secretary <laughs> of State. Um, but I, I was thinking about it as I was walking around that convention, and there is a bunch of new games, including... I saw at least five or six of them. Can somebody explain this to me? Maybe you guys can explain this to me. Why is it now that every game, every game has become in a near dystopian future, in an uncompromising vision of reality? The world is destroyed in a post-apocalyptic nuclear explosion, and there is nothing left but for you to fight demons. Like, is there any game um, that cannot involve the Matrix? Because, because too many people have home studios with mixers that give them reverb voices, and so they all want to make the same game. What are you saying? Okay, I apologize. <laughs> no, but seriously, man, like, what, what is up with that? I can't imagine why, when our government has declared an unending war, when they've announced that Iraq is going on until 2010, and North Korea has nuclear weapons, anyone would anticipate a post-apocalyptic future. That's just baffling to me. But wouldn't you think that games would try to be escapes from that reality? I mean, wouldn't you think that games would work against that, not just be like, the more visions of, like, I'm so tired of the post-apocalyptic crap. It's like, please. Every game is like, oh, uncompromising Dude, it's vision. preparation. You think these games are about recreation and blowing off steam? Most people are just like, I need a training course for like, you know, <laughs> Great. next April. I need to get on it. Does that like, come with hit yeah. points? Clearly on the way. Does that come with hit points and a reload button? I want to make sure that my training is accurate. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. I yeah, mean, you know, you, know, you go with what you can not get. About, not about killing monsters. Sometimes there are games where you just are holed up in your house and you have a shotgun, and when starving people try to knock down your door for your food, you shoot them in the face. It's a video game, so it's You okay. want immersion? There's your immersion, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Oh, but look, well, it's it's yeah. a, char a child with a gangrenous leg. You better kill it before it tries to steal vegetables from your vegetable garden. There is a game called Fallout and Fallout 2 that were games that made that somehow tried to make fun of a post-apocalyptic future, which to me is not so easy to do, but uh but anyway, that was sort of the theory. Um yeah, I mean, I just I was just kind of like, you know, I just was thinking it would be nice if we could have games that sort of had some other cuz they all say it's an uncompromising or it's a new vision and it's like it's not a new vision. This is the same vision as the last 20 visions. The vision involves you're fighting for your life, and if you win, you get to live in a piece of crap world. That's basically your vision, which is not the vision I would want of reality, frankly. I'd like a different vision if that's all the same to you guys. You're going to go personally remove the nukes from North Korea? Going to go wrench them out of the mountains? Dude, what is this thing vision? with you and North Korea? Like, North he Korea is clearly a threat, but, I mean, like, do you are you really thinking that North Korea will destroy the world with its one nuke that can't get onto a missile that works? Are you, are you really concerned? 
concerned about that? I mean, like, of course they're concerning, but... I definitely think they're the only legitimate threat to United States security that actually exists. So, to that extent, you know, they're more interesting to me. They're also on this coast, or closer to this oh, coast. Oh, okay. So it's more concerning I see. to me. Because <laughs> if they do ever get a nuke, it's going to hit here. It's not going to hit over there. Did you see the pictures, too, when, like, the people come running out of the door? Like, they had pictures in the newspapers of, that you know, this had brought joy to the North Koreans. And then you had this picture of these, like, soldiers running out, like, pumping their fists in the air, like... Clearly, having been told at the you know the end of a rifle, now run outside and pump your fist in the air and look excited. They're like, "Hey, we tested a nuclear weapon. The world is left safe. Hurrah for us!" Like it's just like, "Oh my God, come on." The scariest things about those guys are the press releases. I mean, can you imagine how insecure Kim Jong Il must be in real life for these releases that you get from the North Korean government, which are like, "Kim Jong Il." The sovereign leader of North Korea, the most famed military leader with the most military prowess in the history of the world, with the shiniest boots and the wonderfulest <laughs> smile of any leader in the world. Like, they literally read oh, like yeah. this. Oh, yeah, our revered like, leader. Proved his prowess as the greatest tactical, you know... Dude, it's back to Animal dictator. Farm. That's Napoleon all over. Yep. I mean, Stalin did the same thing. In fact, there's something about communist leadership. I was going to say... Communist dictatorships become cults of personality, like Stalin, Mao Zedong. Tongue. Like, how does this happen? It just sort of leads to that, apparently. I was going to say, it does have about a 5,000-year tradition of human monarchies over societies in almost every society prior to 1800. It's not like, you know, kings just release documents and they're like, the kind of cool king. <laughs> like this, this is pretty standard issue for Louis every VIII, the kind dictatorial of cool leader ever. <laughs> you know, and frankly, for every non-dictatorial leader too. Like, there's definitely hype. It's not quite as exaggerated of like. And now, page three, more compliments. His most high, most honorable, <laughs> fantastic. You know, but like the Bush administration, it's like you know. I mean, they don't say, coming in at 32% and hated by more Americans than any other man, George Bush. You know, they don't do that. Like, they're like, you know, yeah, the fanfare and the song and the president of the United States and, like, he's not an idiot. You know, he's not, we swear. And that's quite an exaggeration. That's true. That is really big flattery, probably on the level of that Kim Jong-il. Can you imagine, though, can you imagine being the guy who's got to write, like, more and new interesting adjectives for King Jong? He's like, the guy sitting there, he's just like, awesome. No, I said that last week. Uh, Magnificent, uh, compelling. Like, there was this guy, I remember this guy that I saw once in this meeting, who referred to someone else as having done a really solid job. It was the least overwhelming, you know, compliment ever. He's just, and I would characterize him as being <laughs> really awesome. solid. He's really been a solid performer. You know, he's just been so solid. It's like calling someone so average. He's so average, you know? And, like, that's what this guy must be like. That's he's like, what else like- can I call Kim Jong-il? As close as you ever get in the academic world to really slamming someone. They're like, and I thought his last paper was really solid. And everyone in the room winces. They're like, oh, no. Oh, God. Dude, I've seen oh, some drag out like fights. Smackdown. I told you guys this. I've seen, I saw a guy once, basically, I got, saw a guy once call someone to his face an idiot. In, in, in like a, in a session. It was, it was hilarious. The guy got done with his speech, got done with his paper that he presented. And the guy's just like, look, I don't understand what kind of idiotic stuff you're presenting here, but everybody knows that what you said is ridiculous. Like, literally, as a quote. And we're just sort of like, uh, uh. And then it, the guy was just like, I don't understand your tone. He's like, well, I don't understand why you're giving us this, you know, this stupid business that you just presented. This is ridiculous. And the guy starts answering. He's like, oh, come on. Nobody believes that crap. 
This is great. And everyone, everyone with tenure bursts into flames. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You can't speak to people that way. And all the junior faculty and adjuncts just slunk away. That's basically what happened there. Yeah, so they can get some... They, there's some knockdown dragouts. It can happen. Did I tell you guys I came up with the uh, the way to end the war in Iraq this week? Oh, no, you just happened to come up with it? Leave. <laughs> leave. <laughs> leave. Well, look. <laughs> that would start. Okay, here's the thing. It's not the simplistic, you know, rational, moral solution, because that's just never going to fly with this government. And we just have to accept that. Okay, look, the people are never going to accept leave. Any Congress that exists that's reasonably going to be voted in is not going to accept, you know, the withdrawal policy. So I came up with a very complex and uh, convoluted way to uh, reorganize and reallocate the uh, resources of the United States military. All right, here we go. Everyone get ready. Okay, first of all, the problem. I pretty much think that the uh, infantry, i.e. the army, basically completely useless part of the armed forces and completely outdated. Like, I can totally understand the need for a navy because it's useful for things like blockades and sort of shows a presence and you can move it easily around the world over international waters. Air Force can do, like, surgical strikes and... You know, they can do good things like the Kosovo thing, and you don't really have to, you know, have any casualties or devote any real resources to show your presence. But what the hell does the Army do? Like, seriously, when was the last time the Army was useful to us? Can anyone name with the Korean War? When did the Army do anything that was productive? Well, what do you mean by productive? I mean, they're very good at the moment at, you know, violating rights and getting themselves killed, well, yeah, you know, exactly. in a bad way. We I all mean, know what, I mean, everything that we're attributing that's bad that's going on right now is because of the army. I mean, occasionally you'll have, you know, some Air Force bombing that does collateral damage, but it's not even close. Like, the raping, the pillaging, the abuse, Dude, the what about the goddamn Coast Guard? Army. Do you know how much the Coast Guard abuses its authority to protect the coast? Exactly, I'm Greg, telling you, man. You. I'm, that's... So seriously, like, when was the last time... <laughs> it is hard I'm to not... rape from the air. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're working on that right now. They've, we've got our best men on the job. How can we rape from 35,000 feet? I believe it. It's part of the warfare, exactly. Part of the torture. Part of the expanded suspension of habeas corpus. It's in the same office as developing the, uh, the stem cell harvesting troops. They're trying to figure out how can we rape people from distances. But anyway, so I thought about this. From way down, down. Oh, um, oh God, now, come on. What the hell's wrong but with you people? But he doesn't deserve dignity. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Even beyond, <laughs> beyond the fact that the army does nothing other than bad things, just think about it. It just doesn't make sense. You have these guys roaming around, stationed all over the world. They have Disneyland-sized bases built in countries all over the world. Germany, Japan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan. Everywhere, all over the world, every the army stand. soldiers are like living it up. Every stand. They are in every stand. And what do they do? They're just there to piss off the people that live nearby. They're just there so that people can see them driving drunk and flouting the law and being obnoxious Americans. And it just makes everyone hate us. And even for the troops that are in places we would never go to war, like Germany. What are, we gonna, what are they going to do in Germany? You know, they can get German prostitutes and they, there's nothing to do. But, Russ, who will be greeted as liberators if we don't have the army in there? Seriously. I'm going to tell you who's story. There were people wandering the streets looking for people to greet as liberators. That's it. Up until this point, 
you have totally agreed with my perspective, but just wait until you hear the solution. You're going to be horrified, and it's going to be great, because you're like, well, everything's reasonable, but okay. So here's my solution, <laughs> okay. and it's, it has many steps. Uh, I don't think oh, I thought that, just for the record. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I may think you're less re reasonable. I'm excited about how much less reasonable you're about to get. Right. Oh, okay. Here we go. The other thing, though, about how horrible the work they do is, and this is just all the 85% incompetence rule, which is you have 100 and what, 50,000 troops in Iraq right now? 130,000? Something like that. So if 85% of them are incompetent idiots, what is that? Roughly 85, 90,000 people who are just going to screw things up. The 85% And in the day-to-day -day lives of yep. the Iraqis, they're there to screw things up. So basically, step one, you get all of them out of there. No, close down every military base across the world. They're all closed. Bring them all home. You're firing... 95% of the army. They're just releasing them. I mean, you know, if they're smart enough to be an officer or if they can get a job in the Air Force, like, good for them. But there's no more army in, that, in the traditional sense. Okay, that's step one. Step two. I, I think you've already left story behind because clearly story would never, uh, never agree to disbanding our army. Just wait. Just wait. I know. <laughs> I know. He's like, okay. Hey, man. I, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. Okay, step two is you disband the NFL. <laughs> what? All uh, right, I'm still with you. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 why? Look, I did a lot of thinking. Okay. This is an important part, and here's why we need <laughs> we need the NFL facilities. Okay. Okay. First of all, we need the stadiums as training grounds for the new breed of soldier that I'm going to talk about in a minute. Oh Jesus! Second of We're all, bringing black gladiators, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> gladiators! Show me gladiators! Show me bread and circuses. Okay. Put on the ball. Secondly, Russell Crowe will star in the really movie about this. The pool of talent that's currently in the NFL, we can't allow them to have the NFL as a way to spend the time in their life because we need them for this army. Here's the rationale for that. Basically, as opposed to other sports, although there are some exceptions like boxing, but that's a much smaller, crappier pool of talent, the talent pool in the NFL are uniquely like some of the best athletes in the world, some of the most well-honed, well-coordinated, intelligent, a lot of them very intelligent right. guys. Not all of them, but, you know. Many of them. Portion. Um, yeah, some of them. And they are basically willing to accept, you know, these non-guaranteed million-dollar contracts. The average lifespan of a football player is like five years. And know <laughs> with almost a complete certainty <laughs> the average that they're going to be a cripple when they retire from the NFL. They're basically sacrificing almost their entire lives for a few years of glory and money, right? Okay. This, this is your recruiting pool. This is your new army because, A, far more talented and far more able than the average grunt who just wanted, like, a scholarship to, you know, go to DeVry. He wanted to go to DeVry on a free ride, so he joined <laughs> the army. Like, this is not who you want but in, Russ, in the new army. Can I ask, though? You, you want Marshall Falk. Before the injuries. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say definitely before the injuries. Um, can I ask, there's two things that remind, that this reminds me of. And the first one is, whilst I applaud your idea and think that there are many applications, we could even have like, you know, the fantasy army draft instead of fantasy football. Um, I, I do I do have to ask, because I think it's really important. You realize this army is also um, smaller, right? That, like there's a thousand, there's like oh, 1,500 yeah. players no, maybe Greg, in the NFL. Right. Five, thousand. You're, you're way ahead of me, and this is absolutely true. The new army that we're going to build is going to have about the same size as, you know, however many people are in Major League Baseball. <laughs> what, like 600, 700? Something like That's that. your army. Okay. It's like 700 guys, okay? But here's why it's good. Um, 
we're pretty much, I mean, given how much we're cutting, you can cut the military expenditures for the Army in half. I'm not saying cut it 95%. I'm saying cut it in half and spend the half that you've got on these 700 guys. So basically what you're talking about is like the cybernetic souped-up death squad of the best <laughs> athletes in the world. And they're all completely mercenaries, because I think the whole fighting for patriotism thing doesn't really work after a while. Like, it's great, but really you're not going to get the best talent unless you offer these guys million-dollar contracts, which you have to do. And I say go ahead and do it. Right, sure. You know, give them... Give them $10 million for five years, make objectives worth money, i.e. kill such and such terrorist leader. <laughs> this guy is worth a million bucks contracts. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... I mean, we do this in a, such a sloppy way right now. I agree. Like, anyone who kills Osama gets $25 million. But who the fuck's going to do it? Nobody, nobody's qualified to do that. And even if it's a U.S. government official, they can't accept the reward. But wait. So why not actually spend it on people who will go after it? But look, here's an even These better... mercenaries, man. But here's an even better way to look at it, though. If you keep everybody into their separate teams, right? If you just left it and you just made the Arizona Cardinals like their own special forces unit, you could totally just send them, and they're already ready to work with each other. You could even, you know, like convert their coaches into coordinators for them, like coordinating the rules about when they go in, who they have to kill, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and you just send them in with, like, you know... Helicopters or planes or whatever they can, and you're like, all right, you have to take out Kim Jong Il. We can't send the Cardinals for this; they haven't been any good in years. Who's a good strike force? Uh, Brett Favre? No, he can't hit the broadside of a barn anymore. So let's send in, um, actually, you know, yeah. Matt Hasselback. Uh, Matt Hasselback and the Seattle Seahawks. Your job is to take out Kim Jong Il, and then you just send him off to this North is Korea. Not too much of a departure from what I was thinking about. I was basically thinking, okay, you don't really know who's going to sign up because it's still voluntary. You're just giving them these contracts and they can no longer play football for money, so they're probably going to choose to be in the army for this kind of money. So yeah, it's basically going to consist of like five to six man teams. And here's the great thing. Instead of US troops being in the daily lives of people around the world and pissing them off, and not only pissing them off, but looking vulnerable. Like if you just look at these guys who are just roaming the streets of Iraq, you know they're just regular people. They don't strike fear just because they have a gun. They have an AK-47. Now imagine this. Nobody ever sees U.S. troops anywhere because either it's either the Air Force or the Navy or our new special cybernetic death squads in the Army. And the only time that you see them... <laughs> it's Sean Alexander. ...is when they swoop out of the night sky... <laughs> Like, because they clearly have, like, rocket boots, right. so they can literally, like, <laughs> clearly. descend from midair and just create unbelievable amounts of melee and destruction and mayhem and kill people, and then they're gone. Now, that is a deterrent. That is what they do. Nobody ever sees them unless they're about to die. Basically, we apply the Kaiser Sose rule to the army, which is <laughs> you kill everyone who's around the objective, you leave one guy alive, the one living guy tells the story of what happened, and then nobody ever messes with the U.S. again. Look, I'm telling and, you, there yeah, is no I, Eli Manning, okay? There is no Eli Manning. I'm just telling you, there's no Eli Manning. Look, it's time. We've got to, you know, adopt ourselves to this new world of terrorists where everyone are these in cells. We just can't have a standing army. The standing army is useless against guerrilla warriors. The only way to beat them is to have souped-up, cybernetic guerrilla warriors. A running who, army. Yeah, Exactly. They land on the ground, they start shooting skill saws out of their wristbands at people and slicing people's arms off. Skill saws? And uh, they have, like, Russ, how did this be nukes. And how did this become Unreal Tournament all of a sudden? You went from the NFL to Unreal Tournament 2006. How did this happen? This is... I mean, my inspirations are many, but uh, that, I wouldn't yeah, you know, put that one too far off. But think of, the, think of what you've got here. 
You've got the scariest army in the world. You're investing literally like $5 million of technology in each guy. These guys are being trained in the football stadiums where they can conduct their like war games and their exercises. You've pumped hundreds of million dollars into technology that you were previously spending on like healthcare benefits for idiots who didn't do anything <laughs> and like wages for some sergeant who's a schmuck who's just going to like rape women. So these guys are out of the picture, man. You just have the death squads. All they care about is money. They're not pissed off because they're doing their job. They're doing what they volunteered to do, and they're making lots of money doing it. So they still are very glamorous figures. Could we embed and Sports Illustrated guys? Everybody. Could we embed Sports Illustrated guys some... to interview them to ask them things like, "What? It, well, we just try to take it one death at a time. We, um, you know, we totally. we don't want to. We I try mean, to give it 150 percent out there to today." And... You bargain after replace people. You got to give a lot of credit to the enemy. I mean, they really when they <laughs> yeah, exactly. popped up behind that tree. We respect those guys I totally over there. I didn't expect that. Yeah, we respect those guys over there. Those terrorists over there. You know, we understand that they're committed, and we're just going to have to do what we can. You know, I I just want to do whatever I can to help our to help our team uh, kill Saddam Hussein. I just want to help do whatever I can to help. Um, you know, well, if, hey, if I don't get a lot of kills, it, it was a that's good fine. battle. It was a good battle. It was a good battle. I want to thank Jesus for our victory in the battle. And, you know, in the end, everybody tried hard, but the people with the f repeating flat cannons win. And that's, you know, we have to appreciate that. So, yeah. Okay, first of all, this scares the crap out of everybody else in the world, especially the, uh, you know, freedom fighters, the insurgents, because there's nothing they can do about these guys. I mean, maybe if they get lucky, they'll take out one. And because, like, maybe. And because they'll doubt the sanity of our leaders since they'll go, oh, my God, he's finally done it. He's, cre he's sending football teams to kill us. He's lost his mind. We have no idea what we're dealing with now. That, now we now we're, we have no idea. Yeah, but I mean, what's the use of going around in town laying mines down? There's nobody going to step on the mines. They're only going to you know, show up in the middle of the night in the middle of your barracks and set you on fire. There's just nothing Yeah, you don't you get blown do up by mines at night. Life. But it's Those not like they're walking only, right? around, Greg. They're flying on rocket, <laughs> rocket boots. boots. The whole right. mine Sorry. thing is not going to work boots. anymore. <laughs> My fault, yes. Uh, there is that whole anti-aircraft thing, right? Or did they, are they also equipped with like stealth technology and like oh, anti-radar technology? They have, they have the best stealth technology. I'm thinking more of like a group, like a team of predators. Like you get sick, a half a dozen predators, you say, go kill you know, the uh, leader of Al-Qaeda in Iraq and his, you know, five top guys. But wait a minute, though. The predators are going to be able to do Why it. Why does the NFL get to do this? Why wouldn't you use the NHL? These guys, are, have you seen some of the slap shots these guys do? They're unbelievably accurate. And they, like, already use deadly yeah. weapons. Plus, they have a callous disregard for life. Nathan Brochier beating people up with sticks. Why not use them? That the NFL talent pool is, like, reasonably intelligent people. Oh, yeah, sometimes. well, there is that, yeah. And, like, more skilled, yeah. I'm not talking about some Canadian leftovers who can't, you know, they couldn't cut it <laughs> being curlers, so they, they joined the We'd NHL. We'd like to apologize to our we Canadian listeners. We don't think of you as Canadian leftovers. I don't know what that means. And now look, I'm not saying, you know, the average person can totally try out for the Army. You're, you know, feel free. You can go. I'm just saying there's no NFL because we can't allow the talent that shows up in the NFL to be wasted on football when they, most of them would be more qualified to be part of the, uh, the death squads. That's all I'm saying. I see. I'm sorry I've been quiet. I'm busy picking up pieces of my brain off the floor <laughs> and the various furniture. And some of it, this really nasty piece got lost in my disguise. I'm, I'm, it just wanted jacked, and I'm trying. 
understandable. I told you you wouldn't like it. You know why this but won't I tell work? You what story? I could sell this idea to our country. They would buy it. They wouldn't buy it would because it. it mean an end to fantasy they football. Well, not if it's on a free podcast. It would end fantasy football well. exactly. <laughs> You've got to think about these things a little. If you like our idea, buy our shirts. <laughs> you can find them at our store. But no, seriously, like this would end fantasy football, right? Isn't that the big like flaw in your theory? Well, who's going to support that? No, I was saying, Greg. No, you would just before. redesign it. You would just when pick people based on their kill count and stuff. Oh, all right, okay. Exactly. You would all right. just make that. You're like the Running Man. The sports, that movie, the, sports the Running Man. Interview. I was saying, yeah. like we do have to replace people Sunday entertainment. Like that's part of our new job now that the NFL is gone. We're gonna have to come up with some other stuff. This is like so we'll just run the Mep Report all day on Sunday. Like who cares? Yeah, that's so fine. That'll be enough. I knew then, you were gonna say that. <laughs> perfect. I was like, he's totally just gonna pimp the and show. And the Mep Report. <laughs> I'll be like, well, I've got something to fill that slot. <laughs> Mep Report Monday Night Mep. <laughs> do 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 do. Only four. Four days sure. until your Monday fix of the MEP report. What are exactly. you doing to get ready? <laughs> John Madden is are sitting there. John Madden's just like, so you got an emu. Boom. And then he just comes through. Boom. And he's like, where that, where that big emu come from? Like, it just went straight through there. Look at that. Okay. Boom. Is going to be in his office. The more and laughs, the funnier. He's going to be saying clever things in his office, and people be like, oh, please, you're a Tuesday morning emu. This was totally done last week. <laughs> the report. This is all part of the plan, absolutely. <laughs> you're Monday morning emu. This is my system. This, this has the merit that I would have expected you from your analysis. Um, yeah, it, it has as much merit as I, I would mean, have believed. Look, you could take, you could all of a sudden take you know, $150 billion and invested in education. You just all of a sudden have freed up like $150 billion. And then you still have, you have a more effective army than you've had before. Less maintenance, less casualties, less pissing off civilians because civilians won't ever see these guys. You can still control what you want to control in the world. To be fair, the one thing is is that the actual reason that the U.S. military loses these days is because they don't have armies of millions of people anymore. I actually think it's yeah. the exact opposite. Because you can't... The problem is, is that these countries like Afghanistan and Iraq, like the U.S. military has maybe 10 to 15, maybe 25% popularity. Not just the military, but the government, the U.S. influence. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, sometimes, you know, for about a month or so after the leader de jour is deposed, they're like, oh yeah, we're glad that he got rid of that leader. Now we're going to get rid of you, too, right? right? Why, why are you hanging around? Why are you trying to write our... Get away! Okay, we'll kill you! Get get out! We've shown that we can be free! We're going to stand up to you! Get exactly. away! And so, the only actual way to do this continued suppression model that didn't work in Korea, that didn't work in Vietnam, that isn't working in Afghanistan, that isn't working in Iraq, is to have, like, an army of 20 million people. Because then you can just go in and outvote or just totally overwhelm the people. If each individual has a bodyguard that follows them around every day that's better armed and better equipped, then you can actually suppress the population. But that's about it. You know, which is a lot of freedom to give people. It's a lot to the... Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the problem is, and I agree with you, that this system, it's, it's untenable. There's no way we can successfully occupy any country with our army, which is why, and obviously, you know, if we instated a draft, the war would end tomorrow. So, given those choices, right. you know, the only solution is to come up with the... Uh, the anti-guerrilla guerrilla force. But the strike force. force, are you? I mean, to to be successful, given that reality, the strike force would have to kill about 20 million people, and I don't think the strike force is prepared to do that. 
No, it won't have to do that story. I mean, basically, look, we've already, essentially, I guess, philosophically, as part of this change, we're going to have to say, like, we're not here to control the daily lives of your citizens. We're not here to control, to provide security. We're not here to provide security anymore. You provide your own security. What we're here to do is to eliminate threats to America. If you're a threat to America, we will send our death squad. They will kill you right out, and that's it. And any of your followers, and any of their followers, and that's done. And that's basically, I mean, I think it's the best deterrent because, A, it's extremely difficult to retaliate against these guys, and, B, you're doing it, you know, as cleanly as possible since you don't have idiot so me, troops me scattered all over the country. Step one is stop doing all the things that make enemies from of the United States, and then step two is pick off the one last person who's left over. Who's <laughs> I still hate you. I still hate you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the, I mean, I know you would agree with some parts of it. I know that as a whole, it may not be. I mean, your, <laughs> my, your, my, your whole point is like you'll never get the government to stop this war, so you need to get them to stop the purpose of the war and then create a strike force. No, but think about it. What are the tactical objectives of being in Iraq, right? A, we want control of their oil supply, or at least we don't want a dictator right, controlling control the oil supply. Right, control the country. Not the whole, you don't need control That's of the whole country. About. B, well, you wanted to oust a dictator and make sure that he couldn't control, you know, alleged theoretical weapons of mass destruction, which you've done. Which is, that's accomplished with the strike force. The, the toughest part would be doing things like protecting oil rigs, because you're not going to have troops standing in front of an oil rig all day waiting to get shot. You're basically going to have to wait until people disable the oil rig and then kill them and, their, you know, and everyone affiliated with them. That's the only yeah, drawback. Yeah, it doesn't sound very tenable when there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of oil rigs. I'm not sure you have the staff that are ready to go and do this. And are you, is the country really going to just stand by and there's not going to be no opposition to the country? Like, there aren't going to be 20 million people opposed who are like, great, we're free, and all of our sources of income are being held by these thugs in football uniforms. They're football yeah, stars. They're not thugs. You can even do full, like, stories on them on Sports Illustrated and everything about how they're... This is like the, that mid-'80s movie I was saying before. This is like that mid-'80s movie, The Running Man, you know, with Schwarzenegger, where, like, you know, they, like, send hardened criminals into this maze, and they send after them, like, these guys who are basically just you know mercenary death squad guys but they have all these backstories and everyone likes them and you know because they're all like you know doing the doing fighting the good fight you know like sub-zero and electro i think is one of the guys and like all these things you know and that's uh that that's I mean, basically really, a way to do it it is it's a similar theory it is one of my favorite schwarzenegger movies oh, oh. i think that it's going to be much, stand much out harder crowd. i don't do requests it's going to be much more difficult to get this the, is uh, my favorite Meg Ryan film. It's so great. <laughs> what kind of category is that? My favorite Steve Gutenberg line. One of my favorite. My favorite Steve Gutenberg movie. You don't know the story that I've seen every single Schwarzenegger movie that's ever been made up until you know five or six years ago. It, you can just stick your finger down your throat. It's a much easier way to induce oh, vomiting. It really wow. it gets the trick done. It's so I'm much a big better. He's a big fan. Wow. Yeah, no, I actually love Schwarzenegger wow. movies on the whole. Unbelievable. Most of them are great. Okay. Um, well, but that's right. besides the point. Well, True Lies the is pretty is, good. I, it's, if people never see these assailants, they never see the people who they oppose that are in their country, it's going to be much harder to rally all this popular support against America. All they know is that the people are creating trouble and, you know, who a lot of people aren't in support of, a lot of these terrorist factions, they just disappear in the middle of the night. That's a lot harder to rail against than 
a soldier standing on a street corner who's pissing you off. So is part of your idea that it's entirely covert, that the U.S. government doesn't even say when they're doing an operation like this, it just happens overnight? Except for oh, one no, The U.S. government except disavows all knowledge. For except force. for one autographed football left behind at the scene of each strike. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there you go. No, the only right. the only people able to report on what happened are the Kaiser Sose leftovers. They're the the freaked out guy who, you know, left the load in his pants. No, I swear, I swear they were there. He's there to tell the story of the guy. But wait a minute, Russ, Russ, Russ. Of what happened? Even, first of all, do you really think that given the United States military's pension to not really do things particularly well, do you really think that just because we get good athletes that we're going to be able to figure out how to protect them adequately and going to be able to let them move in stealthily? I mean, you're talking about rocket boots. How many silent rocket boots are you likely to go into, you know, be able to use here? Silent rocket boots. Well, they're silent. They're silent until they activate the rocket boots and swoop out of the sky and kill people. And then there's yeah, a lot of noise while the killing is going on. And then, well, the killing is over and it's quiet again. And camera. There's got to be some pictures, camera shots. You know. Clearly, the first hire is, o, is OJ no, Simpson, right? Right. Exactly. I mean that guy. He can beat any killing rap. So Look, he's got don't the forget, He's got the football back. That's it. That's it. You've declared eminent domain over all of the NFL franchises. So you have all of their expertise. You have their training facilities. You have their coaches. You're just paying them with, uh, you know, government if funds. If the death don't of. fit, you got to And revenue sharing. You have revenue and, sharing. Right. You do. And that'll, that'll make a very cohesive unit. And then there will be arguments about parity in your death. And a salary, oh, a salary cap. Parody. Yeah. Like, when they took out North Korea, it was just as good as when they took out Iraq, and then one day they took out, you know, Turkmenistan, and that was just, like, it's all, it's the, you never know where they're going to kill next. There's too much. And that's the thing. I want a dynasty. I miss the days when we just messed up in Vietnam for eight straight years and killed Back killed in the old days, we didn't do surgical progress. strikes. We just killed people whenever we wanted to. Now we have to think about it, and we have to, like, send in the Cardinals or, you know, the St. Louis Rams. And... A lot of our military objectives right now are all totally these things that surgical strikes would be perfect for, i.e., let's take out Iran's burgeoning nuclear capability. Let's take out North Korea's nuclear facilities. Let's assassinate such and such terrorist leader. Like, basically, we need more effective guerrilla troops, and the occupying troops would, you know, not be necessary anymore. I think, in short, you're saying the only way to fight terrorism is with terrorism. Just a more yeah, professional, bigger, well-trained squad. More professional. Up, running men style, American-style terrorism, with which is all based on Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Right. Exactly. And football. There you uh, go. What's more American and than football, that? Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger and football and rocket boots and skill In fact, That's how we do terrorism the in this country. Say, Russ, they leave behind a piece of apple pie. Not a football. They leave an apple pie behind. That's, that's No, no, no. There's literally only one flaw with this, and that is, given the group of people that you've collected, I mean, obviously, morally, it's, it's reprehensible and defunct, but <laughs> as far as an actual practical thing... to get in there. Thing, <laughs> The only the only flaw that I see like is that no matter like how it. many restrictions you put on them, given the people that you're drawing in, you're never going to get them to stop celebrating at the scene where they've killed the people. <laughs> and then you won't be able to get them out in time. They're just going to be sitting like there the oh, like shuffle, biking heads, <laughs> wandering all this stuff. Chad I'm like, 
fucking Chad Johnson's dancing <laughs> until the dawn. No, no, no. Freaking Iraqi women. No, no, like, no. I see him, the American. Uh, there's a way to get over that flaw. He's breaking that perfect. There's radiation. Please get out. There's radiation in the reactor you just blew up. And he's like, no, man. It's making me go crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so crazy. You guys are Watch this move, baby. Watch this. And they're like, get the cameras out of there. There's radiation. Please stop now. Yeah, one more. Woo, here we go. No, there's a perfect way <laughs> to solve this. There's a perfect way to solve this, and I can't believe you haven't thought about it, Story. What's the one group of people on the field that football players respect when they break the rules? NFL referees. All uh, you need is referees to go with them. Like, if they start uh, celebrating no when the reactor uh, yeah. blows up, you have a guy who throws a yellow flag and just throws a penalty at them. And he's just like, you know, $15,000 penalty for excessive celebration after nuclear reactor destruction. Now, please leave. Penalty will be assessed on the takeoff. And then they just get in the thing and they take off. It'd be simple. You could, And yeah. you could have the rest of this. In the interview and then all the terrorists weekend, have to do like, is throw yellow flags and they win. <laughs> they challenge. <laughs> well, you could challenge it. You can have like a guy challenge it. He's like, I don't think I took out that reactor. They'll be like, fuck that. I wiped my ass with your $15,000 fine. Who cares? I just blew up the nuclear reactor in the country. I just made $6 million. You think $15,000 means anything? Screw you, U.S. government. I don't care what they They responded like $3 million fines. Yeah, $2 million fines. There you go. And then they rebel. If it's too restrictive, they rebel, and they become the foreign strike force, and it all goes to hell again. Oh, there is that problem. How do you keep it in control? Other than that, it's seamless. Other than that, it's <laughs> how do you keep them under control? <laughs> how do you keep NFL players under control? You just make sure they make lots of money, and eventually they have enough money that they get soft and they retire. I don't agree. And recruit the new breed of hungry young mercenaries. Because the big flaw in your plan is really not so much about you know dealing with like celebrations. Although I'll admit that is a compelling flaw I hadn't thought of. The big flaw in your plan is that the reason that football players do this is not about money. It's about glory. And if they don't have TV cameras on them so that they can dance and show oh, yeah, everyone Greg. about this, they're not going to be as excited in it, yeah, man. Because there's no glory. The roar of there's the crowd. No American glory in killing terrorists. They need cameras. And, and being a cowboy. What ESPN, Russ, these people live for SportsCenter. Unless you have SportsCenter cat tagging you along. You just said, you just said they would be interviewed in Sports Illustrated and they would be on the TV for killing okay, people. But like, what are you no, talking No, no, but they about? have to be able to show how they killed somebody because otherwise it's not like a SportsCenter highlight that's the point right like the problem so they'll have cameras mounted on their uniform and they'll show them on what TV. happened to the Easy. stealth coming in the middle of the night that people won't be pissed off it's they, stealth. <laughs> they have stealth cameras, what they have rocket boots and then they're gone yes but then everyone they sees that they did it what? they're like hypothetically this just happened but not really like i mean it's supposed to be you don't know right what about the kaiser soze thing well we just won't, we, we won't, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, have it work. There will be no... We won't do this we plan. Won't do this I'm sorry, plan. we won't exactly. no plan. is still good. Exactly. We just won't send the CNN signal to other countries anymore. That's <laughs> what? all. What? <laughs> no freedom of speech. That's the other part of it. No freedom, oh, right, get, that get helps. Get rid of that. That helps. Yeah, that's fine. National Football League is the no, no freedom I league. No, totally fine. You can totally associate these guys with America. The point is that at the time when it's happening, you know, it's just big chaos and fire and then nothing. And people know that American troops are essentially ghosts that come out in the middle of the night that take you away and blow you up. Get interviewed and on Sports Illustrated. That's is of the Army. Well, yeah, then they read about them in Sports <laughs> Illustrated. And they're like, I hope those guys never come to my town. Because <laughs> it's fucking scary. So, okay, so then the question. I, I, Would that make George Bush the commissioner of this league? Like the commissioner of this army? God, no. So is it this like is... Pete Rosario, or whoever the new commissioner no. is, whoever the guy is, I can't remember his name. Is that like... Yeah, hopefully we could actually get Tagliabue to run the deal. It would probably, honestly, it would, the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
and you would have to hire somebody like um, what's his name, Jim Brown, because he was in the movie The Running Man. <laughs> Jim Brown, and so he has dual experience. Jim Brown, both a football player and a Jim Brown was not and... in the in the Running Man. It was Yafit um, Kodo. Who do you think? Who do you think Fireball was, Greg? Fireball, Jim Brown. That was Jim Brown. Boom. Fireball was Jim, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Really? They left little clues in the movie. They're oh, that's like, awesome. The number one rusher. The number one stalker. Fireball. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't yeah, know that. It was Jim Brown. That's cool. Yes, sir. So there you go. You have a football star, a running man guy. He knows about gladiators. He knows how to be a badass. He got Richard Pryor off of his crack cocaine addiction. He can end the war. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those plans that is, com- is wrong in so many <laughs> ways done. I can't describe it, but I can't figure out exactly how. Now look, the point is not to come up with an alternative that's morally pure or something that's totally justifiable. The point is to have something that works a hell of a lot better than what we're doing and morally is, on balance, a lot better than what we're doing right now. That's all I'm looking for is an improvement and to be more efficient and save us some money. I'm not here to make a perfect solution. I just want to save us money, have some more fun, replace our stupid Sunday entertainment with football, which is really boring me right now. And it really solves a lot of our problems. And basically oh. replace a incompetent army with a competent death squad composed of National Football League athletes. Yeah, highly competent. Make all the other guys work at Kmart. I don't care. They don't belong in a The rack. uniforms would also be a problem. When they're coming in in those right. like, teal Jacksonville Jaguars right, uniforms, exactly. they're totally going to give themselves That's away. That's the point. <laughs> Forgot about that. Well, well, they can use their road uniform story. They wear the football They uniform. can use their road uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> story. Story. Yeah, it's, they're all their Atlanta names Falcons. don't have to be oh, on their story. back. They're all Atlanta Falcons away. Story. So they're there all wearing the black Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Okay. Story. Their names don't have and to be on their back. sitting there like, I can't work with these people i'm gonna go rogue I know. i'm out exactly, of here exactly <laughs> exactly these people are messing me that's up totally true oh, Dude, man. i can't believe this drew bledshaw totally shot six guys he took my kill he took my headshot <laughs> and now i'm just sitting here i got nothing to do he screwed it up i'm not working with you guys anymore. exactly oh jesus here we go pretty much screwed up another mission it's true the most talented hit man we have attempts in the Thank field the of battle together. are a little harder to hide. Yes, that's true. And it's a little harder to, to, to survive those ones. Yeah. Tio's like, I well, want a press conference. You know, they're like, you can't have a press conference. We're too busy blowing up the nuclear reactor. We can't We can't be having press conferences now, Tio. We're sorry. Well, I was uh, looking for something that would uh, make me happy in this map report that I am losing two playoff game World Series, a playoff game and a World Series ticket because the A's can't play baseball. Uh, I didn't get something to make me happy, but at least I was entertained. So that's good. And Maka. I have have tickets to game six of the ALCS. And oh, game no. two of the World game Series. In, not going to happen. Both in Oakland. And <laughs> yeah, not, games to not be happening. Do you get a refund if not, they don't happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a refund. Oh, okay. It's not like I've lost hundreds of dollars, but yeah, <laughs> I still... I've bought now three playoff tickets, sets of playoff tickets. This was my birthday gift for Emily. Emily now gets nothing for her birthday. So, uh, because the A's can't, can't play competently. It's all the A's. Kenny Rogers, I man. gave her three great birthday gifts in a row, and the A's took them away. Sorry, so you should just get her something the now. that will never happen. Like, get her Beatles tickets for next year. <laughs> be like, here you yeah, go. Exactly. There's a Beatles concert. <laughs> and if it happens, be greatest birthday theme, yeah. gift ever. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I'll just get continual dice rolling potentials. No, but but could you imagine? No, no, no. I'll get it. I, I'm getting you inauguration to the second term of Jimmy yeah, Carter. Mar Martin Luther unlikely, King. Okay? Martin Luther King but is speaking boy, at the Coliseum. Awesome. We're gonna go see him. That's what we're gonna do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That that's a great yeah, idea. That's totally where that name comes from. Coliseum is because that's where you go to see him. You go to see. Ah, that's, that's good. That's good. I like that. That's what you. Just and said. I think. Um, I, I think it's so good that we really need to uh, end on that note. Not having anything to do with the fact that it's also well, an hour. Let's not, not, let's not end on that. Note. That was really bad. Actually. I know. Well, it was a bad pun. Well, never do that. You'll never see I, it because we're on the radio. <laughs> there you go. Uh, with the pseudo radio. Check out our new website, everyone. That is something you can yes. see. And oh, it's yeah. really cool. It's really spiffy. I spent a lot of time working on it. I didn't do other did work that job. I should have been doing because I was working on that. So please go check it out. It's got a newsy feel. There will be exciting new things to check out, a lot of fun features. See if you can find the secret story that never was. The, it's uh, true. It's up story there. If you can find tweener. it, you will hate us you or think we're hilarious. It. Right. But you do will know URL which. Guess. You can find it. This is your quest. And uh, you can leave comments for us. You can sign up to try to be a meth guest. You can do lots of cool stuff. You can stuff. send emu pictures, content. right? Go, go, just emu go. pictures. MapReport.com. Oh, yes, and the Hall of Emus. Yoni Newman is the first uh, contributor to the Hall of Emus. Send your emu to live with Yoni. Right now, it's a very lonely emu. There's only one all in the, the hall. He sort of looks down emus. the hallway. What do both they uh, both ways, from? you know. Just... All yeah, it sounds like that. Evil. He's all alone in the back. So yeah, all right, do all people. this. We go make to the site and for uh, you, so get away. <laughs> and it, go away. Go go outside. Go, go do something fun with the rest of your day. Go do those things. Your map report is Thanks over. for listening, guys. We'll see Have you next day. week. Say goodbye, everybody. No, we won't see you, but we will talk to you. And goodbye. Da, 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 good night. We've got dead squads in Fallujah. There's going to be a fight. Come on to a rack. It's here on Monday night. Dead squads. I said get ready. Are you ready dead squads? A Monday night. We've got T.O. and Frank and Dan, and it's going to be a burning. In Afghanistan! Woo! Here come the skill saws, the rocket boots on your face. <laughs> oh Jim Brown knows it all. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Imagine the halftime show. Uh. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. There's glory in the legends of this hard muscle life, and there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. But now's the time to work and strain at a sport that tests the spirit and challenges the brain. The proceeding was a presentation of the Mep Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron, or at least not the stupid one in the cars. Please support the Mep Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for Mep link on the Mep Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at MepReport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu glands. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. A time for achievement. A time for purpose. A time for glory. <laughs>